This is American Real, where we aim to inspire, empower, and enlighten you through the stories of our guests. Here's your host, Roger Brooks. You just gave your secret of how you built your network on LinkedIn. So I hope everyone is listening. Anybody who I feel like is kind of at my level, maybe they're a little bit below me, maybe they're a little bit higher than me, but they have potential. They've got somewhat of a following. They know what they're doing. They're professional. And, you know, somebody that I respect, then I invite them into my podcaster community, right? Now I have a, a, a community of podcasters that support each other. So we give each other tips. We might, you know, we comment on each other's links. We share each other's stuff. We invite each other on each other's shows. We do stuff like that and we help each other grow that way. And so I would advise you to start a little community of people with like-minded interests in your space. And again, think about collaboration over competition and how you guys can like leverage each other's networks. Like that's on social media, like that's the game. It's partnering with other people and exposing yourself to their audiences, right? And so you need to have somewhat of an audience to be valuable to other people. But once you have that, go find somebody else who has a thousand followers. And if you get 20, 20 people who have a thousand followers, now you guys have 20,000 followers if you put all your heads together, right? And and support each other. So that's that's the name of the game right now. It's all about partnerships, collaboration, and anybody who doesn't do that is not gonna succeed. This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is Hala Taha. You are the host of Young and Profiting Podcast, a top 10 self-improvement podcast on Apple with over 1 million downloads. You're the CEO and recently launched Yap Media, Y-A-P Media, a full-service podcast production and marketing agency for mm -hmm. top podcasters, celebrities, and CEOs. And it's projected to generate over a million dollars in revenue in its first year. You're also well known for your engaged following and influence on LinkedIn with over 70,000 followers. Hala, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Roger. I'm excited to be here. First of all, congratulations on your the, the recent announcement of you being selected to be on the cover of Podcast Magazine. What an achievement. Oh my gosh, it's one of my biggest milestones so far during my podcasting journey. I, I just couldn't even believe it. I remember they asked me for an interview just like this. And I just thought that I was going to be like a little article in the magazine. And then after he was like, you know what, Holly, your story is so amazing. Like you've really been hustling. I love what you're doing. I'm going to put you on the cover. And other people like John Lee Dumas, who's like the biggest podcaster ever. Katie Kirk was on the cover. Jenna Kutcher. It's like anybody who's a big name podcaster has been on that cover so far. And for me, it was like just a dream. Like I can't even believe it, but it's so exciting and just a great way to set off 2021 because on the January cover. You know, you talk about the hustle, right? And and you're you're young. I don't see that kind of hustle from too many young people today. Would you agree? I mean, is that kind of a, a broad statement or do I have that somewhat right? I mean, I think that's a little bit of a broad statement and I'm probably a little bit older than you think I am. I'm actually 30, so I'm not sure if you knew that. Yeah, a lot of people think I'm like 22 or 20, not 22, but a lot of people think I'm like 26 and I'm not, you know, like I do have like, like I'm a lot older than a lot of people think. Um, and I have 22 year olds on my team. A lot of people who work for me, I have a team of 30. They're in college or recent graduates that I hired and they're hustlers too, man. Like there's so sure. many hardworking young people out there, but there definitely is a lot of people who are confused. They're, you know, they're not focused and they don't know what they want to do, but for the ones that are focused and smart and have some, you know, diligence in them, they really work hard too. So I would say that's kind of a blanket statement to give to Gen Z or millennials. Uh, there's a lot of hardworking folks out there. That's great to hear. And, and uh, you know, and I, I just say it out of kind of a, you know, general statement of what I've observed, but it's also true that when you lead by example, others will follow, right? And I'm oh, sure yeah. you've seen a lot of that uh, with your team and mm -hmm. being involved with so many different projects. 
Oh yeah. My team, they always tell me like, oh my gosh, Holly, you keep me so motivated. You work so hard. I can't even believe how hard you work. I still work full time at Disney streaming service. I'm just about to quit my job. And so I've just been hustling and they see me all around the clock on Slack and, and pinging them and keeping the motivation up. And I think the key to a hardworking team is just keeping them happy, knowing what their motivations are, like feeding them good advice, teaching them things that they wouldn't learn in school. And, uh, you know, when they see the results, we're getting lots of results. So they see the downloads growing. They see like really engaged following and it hypes them up, too, because they see the possibilities. So, yeah, I love keeping my team motivated and everybody is super hardworking. That's great. How much are you into things like manifesting outcomes? So for mm. we talked about the being on the cover of the magazine it was something that you knew about. You did a, a simple interview that turned in something bigger. Is yeah, something I mean. Just to give people, because it's something I, I'm into and, and I want to talk a little bit more deeper yeah. about this later, but I'm just curious, do you, does that enter your mind? Is that part of your, um, yeah, I really believe in the law of attraction and I really believe that your thoughts really matter and what you think ends up becoming your future. And that if you believe in yourself and if you believe in something that is possible and you can envision yourself doing it, that you can actually make that happen subconsciously without you even realizing that you're taking the steps towards those dreams. Everything that is happening to me right now is stuff that I've been dreaming about for years and that I've been envisioning myself doing for years. And it's like, I've been able to achieve like milestone by milestone. And I think a lot of people were like surprised by my, my cover feature on podcast magazine. Cause it's my podcast is big, but there's plenty of other bigger people out there, but I know how to make the right connections and kind of connect the dots, I think better than a lot of people. And so I get those opportunities probably sooner than I may deserve them. Um, but it's because, you know, I like willed them to happen. I hustled my way to happen. I did a lot of favors. I'm always working for free for like people who are, you know, higher up than me to try to just get in the door and try to get my next opportunity. And I think all that kind of like a little action every day really adds up. And so um, from my perspective, I totally believe in the law of attraction. It's what first got me into radio. Um, I was obsessed with it when I was like 18, 19. And I think I just trained my way to think about that. I used to have goals and would read them on my phone recorder. And then every time I was driving, I would just listen to my goals over and over and over again in terms of what I wanted to accomplish and just kind of make sure that my subconscious mind believed in me, like more than even my like day-to-day -day mind did. And so I just have this you know, mindset that anything is possible. I really believe that anything is possible and that life is limitless. And like, that's like a really big internal belief that I have. And I think having that positive mindset just really helps me because even when I fail and I'm rejected, I just kind of get back up and keep moving. And I love that. And, but talk a little bit about how equally as important it is not to have negative thoughts because yeah. negative thoughts can bring you, you know, two two steps backwards, right? So yeah. I think it's important for people to understand, yes, you you think about your goals, you you repeat them, you, you constantly go after them. But I, I, I would think that you're purposeful about not letting that negativity in as well. Yeah. I mean, having negative thoughts is completely natural, but when they happen, you need to move them to a place of like neutrality and then to positivity, right? So if you're having a negative thought, what can you say to yourself to make it slightly less negative? So for example, if I just bombed a meeting that I just had, right? I went on a client call. I thought that I was going to seal the deal and it, I maybe showed pricing too early or just did something that like I should have known better and I didn't get the deal or it just ended off kind of awkwardly. So I might be feeling down about my myself. But immediately after that, I might say, well, you know, you may have done this wrong, but you know, learn from your mistakes, you're going to do better next time. And don't forget that you just built a company while working a full time job, and you landed six huge clients while working a full time job, and you have a team of 30. And you're obviously doing a lot of things, right? Don't be so hard on yourself. And it's important to have that back and forth talk with yourself, and get it to a place where it's a little bit more neutral, and then move it to a more positive thought if you're feeling a little bit better. It's all about feeling a little bit better, and then a little bit better. 
and then moving yourself towards that positivity. So um, I definitely think that negative thoughts are natural. You're never going to completely get rid of them. But if you can train yourself to start thinking more positively and catch yourself when you're thinking negatively, it will help a lot. I always get told, everybody who talks to me is like, wow, you've got such good energy, right? Like, that's always what I get. You're so energetic and you've got such good, genuine energy. And that matters a lot. People can tell if you feel negatively about yourself. Like, it can be read on your face, your your body language, everything. So it's so important to, like, love yourself for real and get to know yourself and really start to pay attention to your thoughts because they do matter, um, you know, and you can have them work for you or against you. It's totally your choice. I had a chance to interview Ed Milet a couple of years ago. Uh, and it was an in-person interview, which was even more special. But when we were talking about this very topic, he gave an, an example, which s- sticks with me today. Do you remember mm-hmm. the old CDs for, for music? Um, what he says is when a negative thought comes in, he, he, he pictures that negative thought like a CD and he scratches it out so that it can never replay again. And mm. I, I just thought that was really interesting the way he put it. It's something that stuck with me. And I just wanted to mention it in this moment because maybe that'll yeah. help some other people as well. But same thing, you turn it to something positive so that it never comes back the same way. Yeah. And it's hard to immediately jump to the positivity, positivity. But if you move it to a neutral thought, at least it's way better than just being totally negative and like sabotaging like your, you know, self-reflection in your head. So totally agree there. And congrats, Ed Milet is huge. And I'm so jealous that you had an in-person interview. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, you'll get him on. He's, uh, he's amazing. <laughs> and actually I have a feeling you're going to be on his show pretty soon. Oh, thank uh, you. Yeah, absolutely. Staying on the topic of the law of attraction a little bit, you were pretty young. Um, I think 18, 19, That happened to me as well. My cousin actually introduced me to this gentleman, Dennis Waitley. This is back in the, you know, early 80s when I was Mm -hmm. a teenager. And he would take me out snow plowing in the winter and he would put in these cassette tapes of these positive, you know, uh, motivational uh, tapes. Mm -hmm. And then he actually gave me the whole series. So I was about 17, 18 as well. I'm just curious. Who introduced you to this? How, how did it come yeah. to be? Was it was it Think and Grow Rich? Was it one of the books, or was it someone? Yeah, else? it was actually um, an author called Abraham. It was it's like a married couple called Abraham and Esther Hicks. They're sort of like a cult in the law of attraction world, and they have really like in depth, crazy books. If you like read them, you might think that this lady is insane who wrote them. They're talking about source energy, basically like aliens or like spirits in the space that can talk to you. And, you know, when I first found out about this, when I was in high school and in elementary school, I was like totally average. I there was nothing special about me. I was thinking negative thoughts. I I didn't have the right mindset. I was really talented in certain things like singing and things like that. But like I was a regular student, average student, you know, average everything. I was never captain. I was now I'm like president of everything, leader of everything, CEO of everything. Like, you know, like it's a way different person. Like I literally changed who I was when I was 18 or 19 by just absorbing myself and all this reading and listening to Esther and Abraham Hicks and all these CDs, I would definitely recommend it even now. Like it's a little bit outdated and, um, you know, Abraham Hicks actually passed away, but the wife still does it. And it's just this mindset where you really just will yourself to have things happen. And you start to just internally believe that you can make anything happen and that you have control. It's like getting the control back into your life. And for me, it just, completely changed my whole trajectory in life. Like that's when I landed my internship at Hot 97, which is a radio station. And it kicked off my whole career. And it's because it gave me the confidence. It's like without confidence, you don't have anything. You know, if you don't believe in yourself, you can't, nobody will believe in you. And so it has to start with yourself and taking the time to read self-improvement literature that will help you believe in yourself is so important, especially if you're struggling with insecurities and a lack of self-confidence. So um, if you're not making it in life and you feel like, you know, you're spinning your wheels and nothing ever happens, take a look at your mindset. You might be thinking really negative thoughts. And it's never too late, right? Yeah, it's never too late. You do, you could be any age and kind of switch it on and off. Like it's, it's really doesn't matter how old you are. There's so many people who make it in life later in life 
And, you know, even me, like there's been spurts when I was working in corporate, I left the entertainment industry. It's like, I forgot who I was. I forgot everything I learned. You know, I, I lost my confidence. I thought I would never get back on a mic and something sparked in me. And I remembered who I was and I remembered what my purpose was. And then I switched it on again. It can come in and out and you just have to catch yourself when it, when it goes away. It's something that you always have to work on. Cause like I said, it's natural to think negative thoughts. That's how we survived. Like when we were cavemen, it's to have these negative thoughts and to try to protect ourselves, but we don't need to act like that anymore. We can have more control. I totally agree. And I also think it's important to remember that each day is a new day. I heard that in a meditation once, uh, a guided meditation, and that really stuck with me. Like, okay, so say today was a bad day or yesterday, or or you've been in a funk for two months or two years. Today's a new day. Yeah. So it could start that quick, but you have to be ready to put yourself in position and take action. It's not just going to happen on its own. Yeah, I love that. And and uh, if I could just add to that, another saying that I hear quite often nowadays is it's not a bad day. It's just a bad day. It's not a bad life. Right. So when you have a bad day, it's just a bad day. It's not a bad life. You know, next, like you said, the next day is just a new opportunity. There's 365 opportunities every year. Just go for it. For people who are listening to this wonderful interview so far <laughs> and they're thinking, geez, OK, oh, you know, your life is great. You're doing all these wonderful things, but here I am failure after failure, rejection after rejection. Where do I go? How do you help those people? I think it might be that they have a misaligned purpose. I think that if you're going failure after failure after failure, then you might be walking down the wrong path and just really going upstream in your life instead of downstream. And you may be in a job that just really doesn't fit your core skills and your natural talents. And you just may be walking down the wrong path. And so I would ask you to just pause and think about like, what do you enjoy doing? Like, what do you truly love? What do people say you're good at? Right. Think about those things. Start to start to notice what your natural core talents are. And, you know, you don't necessarily should do what you love because sometimes, you know, if you love writing, once it turns into a job, it might not be fun anymore and you might not actually like it, but you'll never know if you don't actually take those experiences. So I would advise people who are feeling stuck to start taking opportunities that they would have otherwise said no to, you know, opportunities that come their way, have that engaged experience to know if you like it or don't like it. And maybe you can start to pivot your life in a different direction once you start to realize, you know, what you like and don't like. For example, I just reconnected with one of my sorority sisters. Her name's Caroline and she was a nurse and she's recently decided she was going to quit her nursing job and become a social media manager, right? And so, so out of the blue, she said, I inspired her and she wants to get into social media and she feels like it's her true calling and it's way different than nursing, but it's going to make her happy. And yes, she might have to start, you know, from the bottom and kind of work her way up. But when you're working from a place of passion and interest and, you know, you've got that like positivity behind you and you really want it, it will come faster than you think. And so I would encourage people to not feel like they're stuck in their job or they have to stay doing exactly what they do today. Don't worry about, you know, some people might think, oh, well, I got my degree in this. I already spent eight years here. How could I just, you know, give all this up? You've got to do what you feel passionate about because without that, you're never going to really succeed. And if you don't, so if you're not feeling the passion, that's probably why you're failing. And my advice would be to try new things and, you know, see where you can pivot. That is so smart. Thank you for saying that. I'm, uh, just to add a little bit, what would you say about the person's circle? Um, you know, we hear about people talking about elevate your peer group, yeah, reach higher, because sometimes it's those around us without even knowing it, and it could be family that are that are that are actually pulling us back or holding us back. So I would love to hear from your perspective, from where you are, and how that may have impacted you, and how that could help others. Yeah. I mean, one of the best things about starting a podcast for me was the fact that I was able to reach out to people who I would otherwise never have an opportunity to speak to. So for example, I was able to contact Robert Greene, who was like my all-time favorite author, to spend two hours with me and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with him, like which is like an incredible thing, right? And so 
if you're looking to expand your network and to reach really high value people and to start to upgrade your network, there's a few things that you can do. You can start a podcast like I did. And, you know, then your five, your hour long conversation can be scaled to hundreds or thousands of people. And that big name person is more likely to spend that time with you because that conversation can scale. The busier you are, the less you want to just have one-on-one calls with people. Like that's my problem right now. Everybody wants to have a 30 minute call and it's no, but if you want me on your podcast, sure, I'll come on your podcast because that helps me scale my message. Right. And so the other thing is just putting yourself and opportunities to to meet new people. So whether that's volunteering, whether that's uh, hopping on Clubhouse, that new app, and starting to get to know other people on there, um, whether that's getting a mentor and working for free for them. So that's another thing, especially for young people that they can do that really can get them in the door. Like I just think about everybody on my team, I'm throwing them opportunities left and right, like whether they're paid or working for free for me. And it's because I have the access to all these opportunities and I know that this person helped me and provides value for me and is like trustworthy and then I'll open the door for them. Right. And so, for example, um, Jordan Harbinger is one of my mentors now. He is like a huge podcaster and I like willed myself like he didn't want to be my mentor. I willed it to happen. I didn't stop. I just kept, I wrote ad copy for him. I reached out to him and put him, you know, in a blog that I was featured on. I put him in podcast magazine even. And now I'm business partners with him and I'm doing business with him. And it's like, I've got like a huge podcaster, like on my side. And so I would suggest that if you really want to expand your network, he's throwing me referrals left and right. Do work for free for somebody that you really admire and they will bring you along for the ride. So that's my advice. Wow, that's great advice. Uh, I also had a chance to interview Jordan on this show and wow, he is he's an exceptional person. Uh, as you know, maybe the listeners don't, he's an attorney uh, by trade, so he's very mm-hmm. smart. So the fact that you have him as a mentor, uh, I commend you. And those are the examples that... I'm so glad we're talking about that people could hear. Like here I am, I'm 51 years old. Um, I'm interviewing, I told you before we started, I'm interviewing people that were my heroes 10, 15 years ago, books, New York Times bestselling authors that I was reading, I'm now interviewing because I'm giving them access, right? So there has to be give and take. When people are thinking about this stuff and the people that are listening, don't just think selfishly, be selfless. Think yeah. about the person you're bringing to the table. What can you do for them? Not yeah. what can they do for you? So your example of Jordan is perfect because it's a win-win. You went after him to help you, but you're also helping him. So, man, this is great discussion. And um, it it brings me into the next question I wanted, or topic that I want to ask you about, something you call skill stacking. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about that and what that means? Yeah. So basically it's taking a look at all your past experiences and seeing how you can put them together to provide a unique package. So for example, I interviewed a cartoonist. His name is Scott Adams. He's a creator of Dilbert. It's a very famous cartoon, especially if you're in the U.S. You probably know what Dilbert is. And so Dilbert is a cartoon that's like a funny cartoon about some guy who works at an office, right? So Scott was a decent drawer. Like he's not the best artist in the world, but he was pretty good at drawing. He was funny. He had corporate experience and he knew how to write. So those were his skills. He put those all together and he became one of the biggest cartoonists ever. And he's extremely rich and successful. And he just put those skills together and he wasn't the best at any of them. He was good or great at and put them together. So same thing with me. I have radio experience. I used to work at a radio station before the podcast. I had four or five online radio shows, which like they don't exist anymore, but that's what people were doing when I was 20, 22, you know, like that's what people were doing back then. And so I've had many different shows. And so I have radio experience. I have production experience. I also, in my corporate career, managed social media channels for HP and uh, other big companies. And so like also knew how to manage social media and had marketing skills. I used to have a website. And so I know about SEO and all that kind of stuff. I can write really well. And so I just put those all together and and like packaged that up and put out Young and Profiting Podcast. And all of a sudden it was a success because it's like, it, it just hit the nail on the head 
in terms of exactly what I'm good at. And it goes back to what I said before. What are you passionate about? What are you naturally good at? My podcast now and my marketing agency literally hits on everything I'm naturally good at. And that's why it's just exploding now because I've just fully aligned to what I was meant to do in life. And I've always been like that. If you go back to when you were like four years old, what do your parents say you were like at four years old? That's who you're supposed to be. You don't really change that much. You're supposed to be who you wanted to, who you kind of were when you were like four years old. There might've been things that steered you which way or another, and you ended up being an accountant like or something, but really was that who you were supposed to be? Or did you just follow advice of other people and not follow your own passion? So, wow. yeah. Love that. <laughs> yeah. And for people that are listening, I think that's a great takeaway is ask if your parents are still around, ask your parents what was I like at four years old? If there's a relative that was there when you were young, ask them because that's a really good thing to know. I want to know. I'm going to ask my parents that as well. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Okay. So um, the next item uh, that we have on our, on, on your list is to talk about the importance of networking and mm. networking today looks so much different than it did a year ago. So I'd love for you to tell our viewers and listeners about networking, the importance of networking, yeah. and how you were able to bring all this together to work in your favor. Yeah. So first of all, I want to say that when I started Young and Profiting Podcast, I was on a four-year hiatus from the entertainment industry. So I had a lot of success when I was younger. I had a website. I almost had two shows on MTV. Like I used to host parties and concerts. And I was like buzzing when I was like, you know, 20, 22, whatever, like in college, like I had this crazy thing that I did called the sorority of hip hop. I worked at 197, all that. So had a really exciting younger life. And then I decided I was like, you know, I kind of, my first company failed. Um, I didn't get the show on MTV. And then I just like hung up my hat and thought, okay, it's time to be normal. Like, uh, no more following my dreams. And I, I just got a job at HP and I just kind of rose up the ranks in the corporate world. And I thought, like I said, I was thought I'd never get back on a mic that it was over. Right. So I was starting from scratch. When I first started, I had maybe 3000 followers on LinkedIn and that's all I had. And nobody knew me. Everybody forgot who I was. And I was just starting from scratch. So I just wanted to lay that out that I didn't have any sort of advantage two and a half years ago when I started having a network. And my network is what propels me to success right now. I don't even have a website for my business and it's multi six figures already. And it's a side business. I started at Disney. I don't even have a website. I just get referrals. I don't even have a, I don't even it's advertise. I don't even talk about it. I don't even think it's on my LinkedIn profile other than my headline. I said, I'm recently, I changed it to Yap media. It's just happening from my network. And that's the power of a network. And it's because I really don't hoard my network. I believe in expanding my network. So basically what that means is I proactively provide opportunities and connect people in my network to each other. So if we go back to Jordan Harbinger, I got, you know, Dr. Jack Schaefer was the first person who ever came on my show. He's the author of The Like Switch. He was my favorite author and he agreed to come on my show, episode number one, two and a half years ago when I had nothing going on wow. other than a dream. <laughs> And so I convinced him, I told him like my story and he said, yes. And that helped me get other big guests. But I told him, I always told him, I'm going to pay it forward. Like if I make it, I promise I'll help you. What did I do? I introduced him to Jordan Harbinger and got him on Jordan Harbinger's show. Right. So it's like connecting those dots, people who helped you go back and help them. Right. And so I'm always giving people opportunities. I'm always introducing other podcasters to other guests. I'm always thinking about other people and how I can improve their lives and introduce them to an opportunity. And it makes everybody then think of me next time they have an opportunity because they remember that I really did them this solid. And I don't want anything in return. I don't ask for anything in, in return. It's never like, oh, I'll do this for you if you do this for me. It's just selfless. Let me be of service. Let me just help people. And I know that later on it will come down the line where I'll get rewarded too. And sometimes people are selfish and they'll never, you know, pay you back. But most of the time people do end up giving you an opportunity. I know you're looking like you want to say I something. Want to ask one question here before I forget. Who taught you this or how did you come upon this? Jordan Harbinger taught me the thing about um, not hoarding your network, but that's something naturally that I've done my whole life. So I just, you know, I was thrown into the entertainment industry when I was really young and I was an entrepreneur when I, I dropped out of school 
um, to start something called this, uh, to work at Honda 87. And then right after I graduated college, I started something called the sorority of hip hop. And I had 50 female bloggers under the me, under me, we were like the 30,000th most popular website in the world. We were huge in New York and New Jersey. We used to host concerts and this and that. And so I was a really young entrepreneur with a really shitty undergrad GPA. Cause all I did was like party and, and work at hot 97 and do other things. And I had to do it on my own. I had to make things happen. So I just learned how to network and, and get exposure. And so I learned that really young and I learned the power of it. And I just think it's so underrated. People don't realize, uh, realize that. And the other thing that I'll say is that your network is only like it needs to be warm. Like you can't have a cold network and expect it to do anything for you. So for example, if I interviewed somebody two years ago and I never followed up with them since then, they're not in my network anymore. So people have that mistake and they think like, oh, I met the CEO at a, at a, you know, a conference and this guy's in my network now. It's like, no, he's not. He doesn't remember your name. Right. So you need to have a list of the people that you strategically want to connect with like anybody who's high level in your industry that you really want to maintain a connection with and you better email them three, four times a year asking for nothing, giving them an, an article link, giving them, um, you know, wishing them a happy new year, uh, giving them any sort of advice, asking if they need anything, telling them about an opportunity, just trying to connect the dots and keep it fresh because this is called something dig the well before you're thirsty. That's what it's called. And it's, it's the idea that, you know, if you're in a pickle and later down the line, you lose your job or, you know, you need referrals. If you email somebody who you haven't talked to in five years or even two years, they're going to be like, I don't like, I, I have enough problems on my plate. Why am I going to help you? But if I've been reaching out to them for nothing and helping them over the years and just, you know, being friendly and checking up on them as a friend, they're going to be like, of course, Hala, I got your back. Are you kidding me? Like you've been, you've been such a good contact for me for so many years. Of course I got your back. And it's just so funny. Cause now like I, I, I do that constantly. And I really, even you, you've seen, I've added value in your life recently. I try to add value to every single person I meet. Cause you never know who's going to be who later down the line. And it's all about that social currency, that social capital that you build with people so that they later on think of you and give you opportunities. And even the guy who put me on the podcast cover magazine, it's like, I'm trying to think he did me such a solid. And now I'm like, how can I repay you? How can I repay you? Like, what can I do? And that's the kind of attitude that you always have to have. You should never take anything for granted. Gosh, that was so powerful. That whole segment there is just, I'm going to put that out as its own clip. Because oh, thank it's, you. Really, it's really, really important. And I think the other item that people should think about when you're talking to people, listen to what they're saying, because they may drop little signs of something that they like or something about their family or something mm -hmm. that you should jot down or put in your notes or put in your, you know, the notes section of their contact in the phone. Because, and this is something I've done too, by the way. So mm -hmm. I'm so happy you're talking about this because you never know. Um, you know, if someone likes Disney, maybe you send them a, a little clip or maybe a little gift or something. So yeah. really, really important that, that you do that. And I think it's also important not, and I'd like to get your take on this, not to, not to keep score, right? So if, and, and you already said that in one way, but I mean, not to keep score in the amount of people you help, just help, right? Yeah. Just have it be like part of who you are. Literally everybody who's in the podcasting world knows that I'm a collaborator and not a competitor. And there's some podcasters who are the opposite of me. I have podcasting friends who, who I've helped out so many times. And then when I asked for an intro, they ignored me. And I was like, damn, I helped you so many times. You came on my show, this and that, and then you ignore me. But then I see that I'm surpassing them now. And it's because they, they compete and they're closed-minded being a collaborator and introducing people to each other, giving other people opportunities, um, starting your own communities. That's a, like a limitless mindset. That's an abundance mindset. Once you start thinking like, Oh, I know, like, for example, I know the CEO of Disney. I'm never going to introduce him to anyone because that's my secret weapon. That's in my pocket. Right. That's not how it works. You know, the CEO of Disney doesn't care about me. Like, but if I introduce him to Seth Godin or somebody like that, then he'll be like, oh, Holla did me a solid. Maybe I'll help her out later on, you know? So it's like 
you can't hoard your network. Like that is a huge mistake. That's how it doesn't grow. If you want to grow your network, you introduce your contacts to each other and then they'll introduce you to their contacts. And then that's how it keeps growing and growing. And early on, you talked about energy and your positive energy and the, the infectious energy that you have. Do you feel when you, when you run into someone that, that is the opposite, that does have that competitive mindset, do you feel that lack of energy? Do you feel that a little bit of a wall? Is that a gut instinct that you're able to feel to help yourself kind of connect with the right people? And again, we're trying to help the listeners and viewers so they could keep an eye out too. Yeah. I mean, like, I think that everybody has the possibility to be collaborative. And I think some people take more like breaking down, right? <laughs> and like, it's like, you just have to just keep being nice to them and keep serving them and keep serving them. And unless they're like a terrible person, they'll eventually be like, okay, let me help out this girl. Or let me like, like this girl is really helping me. Let me, let me do them a solid. Even Jordan Harbinger is a great example. I just kept at it. You know, I just kept at it and throwing him opportunities, throwing him things. And then he finally was like, let's take a call and let's like figure out how we can work together. Cause you are like somebody that's way different than I've ever like come across recently, you know? And so it's like, some people are going to take a longer time to kind of crack, but I think, and they might just might be really busy. Somebody like Jordan probably has people reaching out to him constantly. And it just might be like, it might take a while to just kind of like break through the noise. Right. And, and, uh, but some people really are just competitive and closed minded and it's kind of like, just move on. I wouldn't even waste your energy on it. Honestly, it's not something that I could tell right away in terms of like, who's, who's going to be open-minded and who's going to be closed-minded. But, you know, I, like you said, don't keep score, just be of service. That's something that David Meltzer always says, just be of service. How can I, how can I provide value to the people that are in my life? And, you know, you will be rewarded for it. It's not going to happen right away, but down the line, it will, it will, you'll start getting rewarded. Wow. Quick David Meltzer story. Um, had David on a couple of years ago and, um, I had that same feeling you do. Like, how can I help this guy? He's helped me so much just by coming onto my show, giving me great tips and ideas. So what I did was I wanted to get him on London Reel because I knew he was going to London. And mm. I'm friends with Brian Rose. And I called Brian relentlessly for like two weeks to get him on the show. And finally, like the day before, they confirmed and they got him on. And it was just the best feeling. So I just want people to feel this energy. Like this is real folks. If you're thinking about becoming a podcaster, um, listen to how, listen to what I'm saying. Like this, you have to do this stuff because that's how people, that's just how the energy works. So you could thrive. And, and um, it's just so wonderful to be able to talk to you and to hear these stories because it just reassures me. And I know it's going to reassure our listeners today that how important it is to be a service. Totally. And I'm sure David now thinks of you so highly and always has your back. And like the next favor that you ask of him, you know, come do a clubhouse room with me or whatever it is, he's probably going to say yes, you know, and he's going to have your back. And so that kind of social currency, social capital is so important when you're building a business and when you're trying to succeed. So kudos to you for that. Oh, thank you. Um, personal branding. So I know your agency, you help people with this. You're, mm -hmm. I believe, already doing an incredible job yourself at your own personal branding. Please talk a little bit about personal branding, the importance of it, and mm -hmm. like how you scaled on LinkedIn and how you're doing all these things and how it's all, like all the dots are connected. When I look at your stuff, it's like, it all makes sense. And, and I could feel it just, you know, when I see a post or, um, you know, when I, when I see uh, your, your podcast or whatever it may be, it's, it's all connected. Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to say that you have a personal brand, whether you know it or like it or not. <laughs> so if you go on Google and you search your name, like that is your personal brand right now, that is your online reputation. And so whether you like it or not, you have a personal brand. The question is, are you going to control it? Are you going to do something about it? Or are you going to just let the internet uh, you know, take shape about yourself as it, as it does naturally, <laughs> or are you going to try to like do something proactive? And so I would think about like, what are you an expert on? Like, what is your niche? You know, what, what are you 
provide, what, how do you provide value to the world? What can you teach? You know, you can't have a community. Having a personal brand is really just having a community, right? A community of people who respect you. That's what really a personal brand is at the end of the day. And it's your online reputation. But like, you know, anybody who has a strong personal brand usually has a big community right around them. And so it's, what do you teach to that community? That's how you build a community. It's actually teaching people something, providing value. So if you want to start a personal brand, the first thing you need to figure out is what can I teach everyone better than anybody else? You know, you don't have to be the originator of those ideas. You can curate content from other sources and package it up in a way that's easy to understand. You can share other people's stories. You can, you can, you know, it doesn't have to be your own content. You don't need to be a graphic designer or a video editor. You can do whatever like style fits you and what you're good at, but you do have to teach people something. Nobody will follow you if you're not teaching anything. And so for me, I make sure that every post has value, whether you go click the link or you watch a video, I'm always teaching you something and I'm in the self-improvement space and it's very specific. I don't talk about anything other than kind of like business and self-improvement. I'm not out there talking about eating vegan, you know, I'm very specific in terms of what I'm talking about. And I chose a platform that people would want to hear that information on, right? So LinkedIn is where my a majority of my following is. I'm only just now growing my Instagram following. I have over 70K followers. Like I said, when I started, I had like 3,000. And so like that has grew a lot. Amazing. And it's because I was strategic. I looked at other people who were my competitors, like, well, I considered them like my future competitors, like Gary Vee, Tony Robbins. Um, you know, anybody who's like in that self-improvement space that had a lot of following and I proactively reached out one by one to people who liked and commented on their content. And I would reach out to Gary V fans and I'd be like, Hey, I'm Holla. Nice to meet you. I noticed you like Gary V's content and uh, podcast. If you like his stuff too, you like mine. I'm looking forward to provide value on your feed. And then I didn't disappoint them. I had valuable, really quality content. Those people were active on LinkedIn. So they engaged on my content. Then my content got spread to other people who were following them. And it just spread like wildfire. And it's because I was very strategic. And I also didn't think that people were going to just find me. I knew I had to find them. Like you have to find your audience and bring them in. And once you have like a little micro community that's engaged, then it will spread by itself kind of. But first you need to like pull people in and you need to find those people where they hang out and then proactively reach out to them and try to get them into your community. And then you become a leader in your community and an expert um, and you can grow your network from there and your personal brand from there. But it all starts with knowing what you're going to teach knowing where those people hang out who might be interested in that content and then proactively reaching out to them to join your community. That's the starting point in terms of starting a brand. Oh, that is so brilliant because that is an example of being selfless. You just gave your secret of how you built your network on LinkedIn. So I hope everyone is listening. <laughs> Again, I'm going to cut that up as its own clip because it deserves it. People need to understand that it's getting, it's, it's going after to find your audience. People aren't just going to start come flying no. with you. And I know because I I'm, I'm, I'm working it too. And it's hard. Like I'm, I'm, I'm almost about ready to break 20,000. It's taken me a long time. You know, yeah. but you're right. The momentum builds when you're doing it for the right reasons, when you're offering value, people start to engage, but, but you really have to, you have to work it. You can't just sit back and expect it to happen. Yeah. The other thing that I'll add to that is that um, having a community of people who are in your space that are at your level and supporting each other. So for example, I have a podcaster community, right? I have a couple podcasts. I'm in. Yeah, you are. <laughs> and you, you are in it. And um, I basically, anybody who I feel like is kind of at my level, maybe they're a little bit below me, maybe they're a little bit higher than me, but they have potential. They've got somewhat of a following. They know what they're doing. They're professional. And, you know, somebody that I respect, then I invite them into my podcaster community, right? Now I have a, a, a community of podcasters that support each other. So we give each other tips. We might, you know, we comment on each other's links. We share each other's stuff. We invite each other on each other's shows. We do stuff like that and we help each other grow that way. And so I would advise you to start a little community of people with like-minded interests in your space. And again, think about collaboration over competition and how you guys can 
like leverage each other's networks. Like that's on social media, like that's the game. It's partnering with other people and exposing yourself to their audiences, right? And so you need to have somewhat of an audience to be valuable to other people. But once you have that, go find somebody else who has a thousand followers. And if you get 20, 20 people who have a thousand followers, now you guys have 20,000 followers if you put all your heads together, right? And and support each other. So that's that's the name of the game right now. It's all about partnerships, collaboration, and anybody who doesn't do that is not going to succeed. It's just smart. And, and if, you know, what, what came to mind is really odd when you were talking about that, but it just came to my mind. I think about the days before this technology, what were people doing in communities to help each other. It was the Kiwanis clubs. It was the Lions clubs. You know, these these civic groups of people that were together, they would meet on a regular basis and then they would help each other. If there was a fundraiser, everyone would chip in. If if someone, God forbid, was, you know, something, someone got sick, everyone would, you know, come to the rescue and make dinner. So Mm -hmm. it's I see what you just said as the new way for no matter what space you're in to be able to connect with your community so that people have your back. So you can collaborate, you can Mm -hmm. help each other rise. And you know, there's going to be certain people, even within your own group right now, who are going to excel and Mm -hmm. they're going to bring you along and you're going to bring them along. So man, that's really great advice. And I'm so glad that you talked about that. Thank you. Now, one of our favorite subjects that we have to talk about is podcasting. Hmm. Um, let's talk about why it's so important. And just, just to kind of give you a little bit of, um, um, some feedback on, from where I came from, I started podcasting three years ago because I was just a, you know, a student of podcasting. I, I was listening to them and I loved London Reel, which I had been listening to for a couple of years. And Brian Rose, uh, the founder of London Reel offered a podcast course which I took. It was an eight-week course. It was very expensive uh, at the time, uh, but I went all in and I treated it as a second job and uh, I knew it was something I wanted to do. And I could tell you before you know, I turn it over to you, it has literally changed my life, changed my life. Um, anyone, you talk to my friends, my family, they will tell you that it's changed my life and it's because I stuck with it. That's why it changed my life. It was not easy in the beginning. And I'm telling people now, if they start, it's not going to be easy unless you get lucky. But it is a game changer. Writing books, which I also like to do, and podcasting are the two things that that I love and, and they've changed my life. So I'd love to turn it over to you now to talk about why it is important, no matter what industry you're in, to start a podcast. Yeah, I think podcasting is one of the greatest vehicles that you can use today to spread your message, to grow your network. We talked about so many reasons previously. And uh, like, I really truly believe that there's so many positives to a podcast. First of all, you can learn. So for example, I interview a new expert each week. It's all different topics. So I end up reading a book a week, you know, to prepare for my podcast. I study a certain topic. I'm learning so much just preparing for these shows. Forget about the conversation. Even just preparing for the show is a learning experience. So it's like this self-learning curriculum that you get to plan yourself because I get to plan what my episodes are going to be. So if I want to learn about sleep, guess who's studying sleep for the next week? Me, you know? And so it's like, it's a great way to learn, right? We've already talked about how it's a great way to expand your network. I'm talking to people who would never have time for me. And it's only because I have the ability to scale our conversation. So that's another reason. And then it's also a way to grow your personal brand, to become that expert, to start having followers so people get used to you. When when it comes to podcasting, it's such like an engaged way to communicate with people. It's not like a video that's two seconds long where they don't get to know you. People might be listening to you for an hour, for two hours. They'll be taking a long drive. They might listen to you for 10 hours. You know, at the end of that podcast, you're their friend. They're, they're used to your voice. They feel so connected and engaged with you. 
And that type of fan and following is so much different than anything else I've ever experienced. It's like once they're a podcast fan, I have people who have volunteered for me for free for years just because they were in love with the podcast, you know? So it's just, it's just so funny, like how connected people feel to the host. And when I talk to my fans, like they feel like they know me so well, I might not know them, but they, they know things about me that like, I'm like, oh yeah, I told that on the podcast. I guess I forgot, you know? And so it's just so cool to have like such an engaged community. And so I would really recommend it, but I don't think podcasting is for everyone. I think, you know, you have to really want it. Like you said, it's not easy. Even for me, like I only had this hockey stick growth, like maybe five, six months ago was when it really started taking off. I had a big name on LinkedIn. I had a lot of buzz, but like my downloads and like the hard stats, like didn't start taking off until like six months ago. And so I would say that like, it's a long game. If you're not really passionate about this space, if you're not into growing your network, if you know, it's not going to be a huge moneymaker out of the gate, like it takes a lot of work. And so you need to have the right intentions. You need to know what your why is. You need to know what your niche is. I think having a niche now for podcasting is like essential. It's, it's really, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there. You really know, need to know who you're targeting and why and what your format is going to be and how often you're going to release and really think about it before you go like into it. Because it is, like you said, a long game unless you get lucky, um, which is very few and far between who actually get lucky. And so you need to be putting in the work. And you need to know what you're getting into. So I wouldn't say like anybody should just have a podcast, but if it's something that you really feel passionate about, then yeah, have a podcast because it could change your life. Awesome. And we will definitely put a link how people could reach you and your organization because you actually help people with podcasts. Yeah, I actually target CEOs, celebrities, and um, CEOs, celebrities, and podcasters, and I have a podcast marketing agency. So for me, the way that I monetize off my podcast isn't necessarily off sponsorships. Like I make a little money off sponsorships. It's lead generation through the people that I actually interview. So that's another great point of starting a podcast. So your podcast can monetize in a few different ways. So you can monetize your audience if you have a large audience. You can sell the large audience affiliate marketing products and, and you know, make money that way. Um, and then you can use it as a lead generation tool. So whether that's people who are listening to your podcast or the guests that come on your show. And so like a lot of people don't realize that you can actually turn your guests into clients. And that's what I do. And, and it's like, it's changed the game for me. I, for the first couple of years, I was just investing, investing, investing in my podcast. And as soon as I flipped that switch and started my marketing agency, it's just been like, now everything that I spent on my podcast has been like covered 10 times over and it's like all good. And it's just cause you know, it's just, I just flipped the switch. I was ready and it happened. And now it's monetizing like crazy and I can quit my job. And so it's just so satisfying when you get it to that level, but it's like we said, it's not an easy ride. It's a slow growth game. Like, and you know, you, you're going to have to invest in it, whether that's, you know, your production or your marketing or even ads, like you're going to have to invest in it to make it happen too. And as a new friend, I just want to tell you, I'm so proud of you, oh, for, you. for what you do and everything you do. But the one thing I'm thinking about now, which I'm sure our listeners are, is how do you do it all? How do you manage your time to be able to stay the course and make sure that you're, you're, you're getting things done in a timely manner and responsibly? First of all, I have a team. So like I said, when I first started Younger Profiting Podcast, I was so crazy about the quality of my content. The first three episodes might've taken me two months each. Like they're like full on like wow. music. I interviewed four or five people per episode. Like it's like listening to like, a, it was like writing a book. Basically my first three episodes, I switched my format recently, but I had fanatics on my, like people loved my podcast. Right. And they really got hooked and people volunteered for me for free because they just thought that it was such a good idea and that there was really something there. Now they're getting paid, but these team members, like I had like 10 team members that volunteered for me for free for almost two years. And now they're getting paid. Now we've scaled to 30 team members. And so I'm all about a team, you know what I mean? So I've got like 15 people in the Philippines and I have like 15 in India. And then I have 15 people in the U S um, and we're like a totally a global team. I have a couple people in the UK. Everybody's all over the U S we're totally a virtual global team, even before COVID. And so we were 
doing it and rock. That's why COVID, we didn't even skip a beat because we were already in that world, right? And so constant communication. We have a Slack channel. I make sure everybody knows what they're supposed to do. I have leaders on my team. All the volunteers that had volunteered for me when I first started are now managers managing a team and like really like know their stuff because we built it up from the start for Yap. We made it successful for Yap and now we've scaled all our processes for our clients. And so it's just building this up. It's like I, the best part about starting a side hustle is that you build a business that works by itself because I was at work and I'm at work eight hours a day. So it has to run without me. And I have a 24 hour team. So I purposely picked people in the Philippines because at 9 PM they start work at 9 AM. And so I've got people working for me overnight every night on videos and social media and whatever. So that in the morning, my U S team's ready to post, ready to go. And they've got all their content. And so it's just this 24 hour operation. <laughs> so it's That's like, so I smart. get to, yeah, it's cool. Cause it's like, I'll finish work and then I hop online and I'm like, okay, let me tell my team in the Philippines what they got to do. Like, you know, once they wake up, I'll have meetings at 9 PM brief with them what to do. And it's just about creating leaders on your team. I, I'm not foolish enough to think that I could do it all on my own. Like I can't, I probably could have done a lot of stuff on my own if I really wanted to. And, but I just decided that like, Hey, I'm going to just bring everybody along for the journey we're going to make enough money so that everybody's cool and covered. And it's just so cool to be able to provide all these opportunities to people. And like, I don't know, like for a long time, you know, I always had volunteers work. I don't know what it is about me. I always have a team. When I started young and profiting podcast, I didn't want a team because I was scarred by having that sorority of hip hop. I had 50 girls under me when I was so young and I was scarred because I was like, I don't want to do this again. I want to do it by myself. That's why I'm just one host of Young and Profiting Podcast. But I couldn't get away with it. Like now I have a team of 30 plus and um, I love having a team, you know, look like, I, you know, like everything happens for a reason. And again, it's about scaling your processes, having leaders, making sure that like everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing, that there's clear processes and guidelines and keeping the quality up there and keeping the motivation. Everything um, like I don't care if you're you have no experience. It's not about that for me. Like everybody starts as an intern with no experience. If you have a good personality and you're willing to learn, you join the team, you do a boot camp, you do internship for three months. If you do a good job, you get hired, you get paid and you, we just keep expanding the team. So that's how I run it. And it works beautifully because I have energetic people who feel very happy to be on the team because they learned something from scratch, things that they couldn't learn in school. Now they're at the top of their field, basically, because we are so advanced in our marketing. So they really learn how to do it right. And they're happy because they're, they're getting paid and they have their like other peers that are their age and they're having fun and it's just amazing. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would say that it's just been an awesome opportunity working on this podcast and I couldn't have done it without my team. And that's how I manage my time. Like, uh, the other thing that I'll say, I'm sorry, I'm rambling a bit is I don't waste my time. Like I don't watch TV. The only TV show I ever watch is shark tank, like, which is like an educational show. I don't waste my time with stuff like that. I don't mindlessly scroll social media. I only do social media really for business and to support my network that I'm very strategic about. Right. So it's like, I don't waste my time either. And I still find time to be with my boyfriend and to cook dinner and to work out and have time with my friends. All that stuff is really important, but I don't do mindless things. And I think a lot of people don't realize how much time they do. They waste watching TV, watching movies, puttering around the house, scrolling social media. You could have a whole side hustle that you don't even realize because you're just wasting so much time. Totally. And I don't waste my time. So that's another thing too. I just work hard and I'm, and I'm diligent and I just, you know, have a team and those are my secrets. Wow. No, I'm so glad you talked about that. And you mentioned the word side hustle a couple of times. Uh, I'm actually, my next book is called crush your job, love your side hustle. And I love that. the reason I'm able to do this and the reason I'm connecting with you so much today, and I want people to know this, like you are, you are still at this moment working full time, right? Yeah. I'm doing the same thing. Um, and you probably don't have to be, but you are mm -hmm. until you get to that place where you know you, you can do that. But I think it's really important for people to know that when, when someone's paying you, when your employer is paying you, you need to dedicate yourself to them 110%. If you don't, and you start to slack and try to 
get more time in on the side hustle, that can affect it. And I think this goes back to the law of attraction, right? You cannot beat the laws of the universe. They are what they are. Don't think for a moment that you can, you know, maybe skate this way and get ahead. It doesn't happen. But if you're genuine and honest and intentional about how you approach this and the best employers want you to excel to go do something else because they know yeah. you're making, you know, doing wonderful things for the world. But the, 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 I think the important thing is here is that you can have a side hustle and be successful at it if you work it. You can, it's just like everything else. You can't just yeah. expect it to happen. You cannot watch TV. And like everything you just said, those are things that I do. So I know I laugh because it's like literally like I got up at 5 a.m. this morning on a Sunday. I had probably 20 things I did before I came here to record our episode because it was planned that way. And, but you have to want to do it. No, I think what you're saying, is so, it's so true. It's so important. You have to like, like when, I'll, I'll give you an example. COVID has made it a lot easier. I will say in terms of having a side hustle, like now you guys have no excuse because there's no commute. <laughs> Everybody's like, there's no social events really. So it's like, you really don't have that excuse. If you, if you want to start a side hustle, like you definitely have the time. You just don't realize you have the time. So when I was commuting, I was in New York. I live in Brooklyn and I used to commute to, to work. It took about 50 minutes every day there and back. Right. I used to wake up and work on my podcast one or two hours before work every morning. Right. Then I would go on my commute. I would do all my link. I would do my LinkedIn post of the day. That's how I grew my LinkedIn following on the train awesome. every day. I thought about my posts and when we would in, in between the stops, when I'd finally get service, I'd push send. And that's how I would do my LinkedIn post every day. Right. Then at lunch, I used to do my interviews most either on the either after work or during my lunch hour. I would do my interviews. My every my boss would see I was a great employee, so nobody gave me shit. Sorry for cursing. Nobody gave me anything because I was a great employee. I always got my stuff done. They knew I had a podcast. I was very open and honest about it. They would see me running like I had five minutes to set up my stuff. I would be running with my the headphones and my mic, and I would hop into a phone booth and I would do my interviews at lunch. Okay. Then I would come home on the train. I would do all my LinkedIn engagement. I would mess. I would do all my messages. I would, you know, do all that stuff. Then I would come home, either study for a podcast, work on whatever I had to do for social media. Like this was when I had a smaller team, you know, and and that was every day, you know, every day, like day in, day out, on the weekends, for at least four hours of work every every day, on the, at least, if not a full day of work on the weekends. That was every day. And yeah, it's going to take over your life. Yes, you're going to have to sacrifice a little bit, but it will be worth it in the end, because in the end, you might design a career that's perfect for you and you can let go of your full-time job and then have your time again. But it will be a sacrifice and you will have to juggle things around, but it is doable. And I, I don't think people realize, like, if you just change, you know, how you structure your day and how you fill up your time, you can do something really meaningful. It's like just 10, 12 hours a week is really all you need to start your side hustle. If you can push it to 20, 25 hours a week, you're golden. But like 10 hours a week, it's just going to take a longer time to do. That's what you have to realize. It might take you three years to do one year of actual progress, but that's okay. You know, you're, there's no race. It's not a race, you know. And so I would say that anything's possible if you actually dedicate yourself to it. Oh, that's great. Let's talk a little bit about relationship. And we really didn't have that plan, but I think it's important to talk about. My wife, she's been, you know, so supportive. Every project I've done, and they weren't all successful, believe me. Um, you mentioned you have a boyfriend. He's obviously very supportive. But for people going into a side hustle, because it does, it cuts into family time, it cuts into alone time, uh, all those things. Um, can you talk a little bit about relationship and the importance of relationship and the importance of communication within a relationship? Yeah, I think that, you know, when you go into your side hustle, whoever, like whether you have kids or a spouse, you need to obviously make sure that they're okay with your decision too, because it is going to impact your time with them. But I would tell them about all the pros 
you know, and what your plan is in terms of monetizing this side hustle. You know, if it's something that you never think you can make money off of, then it's just a hobby. And actually, one thing that I think we should say is that before you go full steam ahead in this side hustle, you want to validate that it's actually a good idea, right? So you really want to validate that like people will buy it. So before you get a website and a logo and you invest, like I would invest more than $200 in the idea, right? And then just see like within your own network, if somebody will buy either your product or your service before you go and change your whole life and invest all this money and risk everything, like you actually want to make sure that it's a good idea. And I would keep doing that until you actually find an idea that has traction, right? And so, so you need to do that first. So once you actually have validated your idea and you three people have bought in from you and you know that you can sell this just with your core network, you haven't even started advertising or started a community or anything, then you would tell your spouse or whoever, you know, you need to convince to support you and explain like, hey, I have this new idea. I'm able to, I was able to monetize it already. Um, I really think it could change my life. I really think it will make me a more fulfilled, happier partner. And, you know, I hope you can support me in this. It means that we're not going to be able to watch TV at night anymore together. But I promise that we'll still have dinner every night and I'll make sure that I'm available for you. And like, it's not going to impact our Saturday night movie, you know, like just be open and communicative and say like, what's going to go away? Because what you have to do is actually look at how you spend your time. Like I would look at track your time for two weeks, see exactly what you do every day and see what is a productive activity and what is a non-productive activity. So if it's a productive activity, it's for your job, it's chores, it's, you know, spending time with your family, self-care. Those are productive activities. Non-productive activities is like scrolling on social media, um, napping that like unnecessarily or like just sleeping too long. For Like a lot of people just sleep way too long. Like you just need eight hours. You don't need more than that or seven or eight. If you're sleeping 10 hours, then, you know, you don't need that much sleep and you're actually just wasting a lot of time. So it's like, figure out exactly how you're spending your time, figure out when you want to work on your side hustle. And then if there's some time that you're going to have to remove from your family and your friends, cause it's, you know, it's only realistic, just be honest about it and then explain to them that it's temporary because, you know, typically you want your side hustle to become your full-time hustle eventually. And, you know, hopefully they see the value and you might be a happier, more fulfilled partner. When I was just a corporate worker and didn't have my podcast, I was filling my time up with other things that like made me, I was like president of the Young Employee Network and doing all this kind of stuff, but I was not nearly as happy as a person, you know, because it's like, I really wasn't aligned with like who I really was. I was sort of being who I was in other ways, but it like, wasn't this like straight line, like this is who I am and this is everything I was supposed to do. And it could, you can, you're just a better, happier person. And so I think people who love you will appreciate that and will want you to be happy too. Wow. Hala, this has been a great conversation and I, and I'm so appreciative of your time. Can you let people know what's next? What, what are some of the things you're working on that we could look forward to seeing in the, in the near future? Well, I just got my first TEDx talk in June. So my first speak event, uh, like public speaking professional event, TEDx. Uh, shout out to Heather Monahan for getting me that opportunity. Um, so yeah, she's the best. So I got a TEDx event in June. I am gearing up to give my two weeks notice at Disney this week. So I'm happy to say that on air. So I'm very excited about that. I mean, I've been in my butt. I can't wait. I, I think I'm going to be working just as hard, but it's just so nice to be able to structure my day the way that I need it structured. I feel like I can be a lot more efficient once I actually quit Disney because I've been like managing everything in between meetings. And it's like, I just want to be focused on my stuff. I'm going to be putting out more podcast episodes per week, a lot more solo episodes, guesting on a lot more podcasts. I'm totally obsessed with the clubhouse. Uh, growing my YouTube channel, growing my podcast network. I have lots of up and coming podcasters who work for me on the team, helping them build their brands um, and then keep growing my agencies. So like, those are my goals. Um, just really excited for 2021. Cause I feel like we've like really built the foundation to have an incredible year and I'm so excited. Yes. Oh, and I'm, I, I cannot wait to watch and see all these amazing things happen over this year <laughs> and beyond because, uh, 
Uh, you're just someone very special. I could feel it. I can't, I mean, I know in whether it's two years, five years from now, I'll look back, we'll look back and say, wow, look how far you've come. And um, it's because of your integrity. It's because of your honesty. And it's because of your, your hustle. I mean, you're not afraid to work and nothing in life comes for free. I could say that as a 51 year old man, I mean, who knows, even, you know, uh, being blessed to be, you know, in some really good corporate jobs, it's not easy, no matter where yeah. you are. And um, I just commend you for all the work you're doing for the leader that you are and that you're becoming. And I can't wait to share this episode with the world. Thank you so much, Roger. It was such a pleasure to be on. It was such a great conversation. You were such an exceptional host and I can't wait to see how far you go too. Hello, thank you so much. Welcome to the American Real family and we will see you real soon. Thank you so much, Roger.